The League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas present Tall City Elections. Here are your hosts, Abby Wiggum and Trish Spate. Welcome to another episode of Tall City Elections podcast. So I'm Abby, and with us in the studio today, we have Trish Spate. Hi. And Kimberly Crisp. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. This program is dedicated to providing information about the upcoming local elections as we make it accessible to our listeners who are visually impaired. The Tall City Elections 2019 podcast is a collaboration between the Recording Library of West Texas and the League of Women's Voters. We want to thank all of our supporters for helping us make this possible. So Kimberly is running for City Council District 4, correct? Yes, ma'am. Wonderful. So let's start out with the basics. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, why you're running. Okay, so i born and raised in Midland. I've been here for 32 out of the 33 years I've been on this earth. So I had one rogue year that I spent in Austin, got back to West Texas as soon as I could. Just wasn't the right fit for me. But I am a licensed professional counselor. I am a wife and a mother of two. I really feel that my skills that I have as a counselor are going to really work well in terms of meeting with members around the community. I'm essentially a professional listener and problem solver. And so I've been already able to kind of meet with people and and use that to help with this process. In terms of why I decided to run, the last two local elections that I had an opportunity to potentially vote, both candidates ran unopposed. So in the last District 4 election, I didn't get to vote. In the last school board election, I didn't get to vote. And um, particularly with that last school board election, I followed it really closely. And so to then on election day, not get to cast a ballot was, you know, discouraging. So I really felt like everyone in District 4 needed to have the opportunity to vote. And I felt like, okay, well, I don't want to sit back for three years knowing that I had this inkling inside that I should do something and then I didn't. So that was kind of what made me throw my hat in the ring, uh, as well as just feeling like I I think People aren't necessarily feeling as represented as maybe they could be. Uh, I think I'm a little bit different than a lot of the other people you'll see running for office. I haven't served on any boards. I haven't been involved in government. This is not something I ever planned to do. I decided in June that I was going to pursue this out of passion. (laughs) It's definitely not out of planning, which is odd because everything else in my life I plan down to, you know, the minute details. But this I just really felt called to do. Do you feel like that will help you in this? I feel like I can relate to people really well because I'm really similar to a lot of the people who live in District 4. We have an interesting district. It's really widespread. We're in West Midland. And so, you know, we have some affluent communities, but we also have a lot of people in the community who are really struggling um, that live within our district. And I think, you know, my husband and I are, we've been married almost 10 years. And when we got married, we were both still in school. He was getting a bachelor's degree. I was getting a master's. And so within the last 10 years, we've been broke college kids who are barely getting by. And thankfully, we both have professional careers and we've been able to work really hard to provide for our family. But we still remember what it's like. We haven't, you know, been in business for 30 years or anything like that. And, and so, you know, I certainly applaud anyone who's worked hard and and been successful. We just haven't had time to get all the way there yet. And so I think that I can really relate to what a lot of people in the district are are currently experiencing. Awesome. If you're elected, what will your top priorities be? 
My top priority is finding out a way to pay for some of our issues without having to ask for more money from the taxpayers. I think that, you know, we have a lot of needs in our towns right now, and I think that a lot of our wants can be addressed in different ways. We have some amazing uh, companies in this town, especially a lot of our energy companies. They are so willing to help improve our community and use their financial resources to help do that. So things like our parks, you know, um, Dennis the Menace, XTO donated a substantial amount for that park to be built. We have other organizations who are helping build our parks. So I really think that Doing those collaborative efforts and those partnerships to solve some of our quality of place needs is a great idea. And then we can, you know, have city resources available to do the other things the city needs to provide to make this a good community for everyone, like our roads. So one of my main plans is to reallocate our type A sales tax that's going to economic development right now and dedicate that to our roads. I feel like economic development is something that made a lot of sense whenever it was, you know, decided on. Uh, back in 2002. But now we have a really different Midland. And I think we need to reevaluate our, our needs and reassess those. And so that's kind of a, one of my big plans is to take that that money that's about $15 million a year and put it to our roads because we really need that. And that would hopefully alleviate the need, come back and ask for a, you know, a substantial road bond. And depending on what that looks like, maybe we wouldn't have to ask for another road bond at all. I don't know for sure because I don't have the numbers on that yet. But it's at least something that would put a $15 million dent in that infrastructure need. I'm going to dovetail off. We're talking about transportation and roads. And one of the things that we hear a lot from our listeners who use public transportation is the inefficiencies of that system, Easy Rider and also the paratransit service. So do you have any thoughts on improving that? You know, I, I think that whenever I see Easy Rider buses going around town, you don't see a lot of people. And, and I know from what I've heard that the route is, takes about an hour. So if you miss the bus, you're waiting for an hour for it to come back around. So I'm wondering, again, with some of those partnerships, if there's a way to kind of have it be a little bit more directive of like, okay, you know, here's a pickup route for picking up specific residents in specific places rather than having just the kind of bus trail going around. And I do think that Again, we have a lot of great organizations here who would be willing to serve and help out with some of those projects rather than it falling 100% on the city. And I think that that's where that collaborative effort between the city and private organizations who want to help um, can really make an improvement on that. They do get some of their their funding, um, I think, from that. I don't know. I could be completely wrong, but I think they are a partner with the MDC and they do get some money. Right. So. <laughs> and, and Senior Life does get some money from the MDC. Um, and I think the reality is if we put that money to roads and infrastructure, we free up city money to be able to do other things. So I feel like a lot of the things that are currently being done by the MDC could be done through the city with that, you know, those resources. I also believe that if we uh, eliminate the Middle Development Corporation, which is getting that economic development incentive money for people who aren't as familiar, then that also liquidates their assets. And with that money, we could actually build a new senior center, senior citizen facility. We could, you know, make repairs and stuff like that. So I feel like that money for one-time expenses could go a long way into mm -hmm. improving our community. And so, you know, the MDC absolutely does donate to some uh, worthy causes. But I think overall, we're not getting as good of a return on our investment. If you look at kind of their last expense, the expenses in the last 10 years, they've gotten about $100 million dollars. I feel like if we're being generous, then about $45 million of that was to good projects that benefited the city as a whole. And so that's about, you know, one-third return on investment if you mm -hmm. then take out some of the parking garages and stuff like that that they've done that are private parking garages with a 
couple of public spaces. Cool. So in District 4, let's talk about parking. <laughs> District 4 includes the airport. It does. It does. <laughs> so at a recent city council meeting, they decided that they're going to pave over the empty lot right now and put up a um, parking gate and things like that. I know a lot of that is they, they want that revenue. They, they want to be able to bring that money in. And, and I understand that. My, part of my concern, honestly, is that they, they've said that they don't have the ability to hire someone to do a shuttle service. So my thought is, okay, right now, if you're perky, parking in a dirt lot, and at least you're not having to pay anything to park there. And then if you have to make that, you know, I think, I think I've heard it's about a half a mile walk. Um, it takes a bit. Let me, um, I, I haven't been out there recently. Yeah, like um, la- we, we were there uh, at some point this summer and both lots, all lots were full and Premier was full. Wow. And um, that's the private parking. And yes, uh, yes. my husband's office is out there. So he just like past where the i think it's a real estate agent now Mm -hmm. but it used to be the old big two and so he just went back to his office and parked and walked it and it yeah it was getting tight yeah i went ahead and went through security but i think it probably yeah it probably took him a good 20 minutes I, i believe it and so i understand why they're wanting to do that to bring in that revenue source you know and i i don't work in planning and zoning i don't you know do all those things and and build those parking garages myself. So it's one of those things I would like to have a lot more information about. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if there's is if there's some other strategies. I also think that the reality is that there is some of that money out there going to the spaceport and things that they're building out there. And I don't think that's a good use of, of our resources. Yeah. And so I think money that is in the airport fund that's going to spaceport related endeavors is not fruitful at this point. And that if not spending money there and, and you know, figuring out other ways to handle this could get us a two-story parking garage close to the airport. That would be lovely. <laughs> yeah. And I know price-wise, I mean, you're looking at a pretty substantial difference. But at the same time, I, I think I'm, I'm extremely fiscally conservative. I'm all about saving money, but I'm also about spending money in the correct way and doing it right the first time. You know, they say measure twice, cut once. And so I think that there may be some room there. Again, I can't say for sure. I try not to you know, speak too much about stuff I don't know. But I, that's one of the things I would really like to look into more mm-hmm. is what are the different options there? And I'm, I'm sure they've done that. But I also think that revenue stream is is something they're really concerned with. And mm-hmm. again, I, I wouldn't want to have to park that far out and, and walk and have to pay for parking. <laughs> um, and I think it's also a safety concern. Sure. Um, because if they're not going to have a shuttle service, which, again, they've said they don't have the money to do that or they don't, they can't pay someone to do that, um, which I've actually heard from a couple people that the one of the gentlemen who does Skycap out there has volunteered that if they will just get him a, a shuttle, that, that he'll drive it. And I don't think that that's um, hmm. been something the city has pursued. It seems like the money from that they're going to make off of the parking could maybe fund part of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and maybe they're just not wanting to get ahead of themselves and dedicate that money before they have it, which, you know, I don't blame them for. But yeah. again, that, that would be a concern. It's like if I'm having to pay to park out here and now I'm still having to walk. Yeah. You know, I don't think that's necessarily fair to a lot of people. The other thing that we we hear a lot about is the shortage in the police department and the fire department. I think we're, oh, we've heard two different numbers. 21 short, 47 short um, of officers. But yeah, and that could be because they just put about 19 people through the academy. So Mm -hmm. that number is changing. Now, of course, I don't know for sure that we've retained all of the officers we had prior to that. And 
it, it's it's kind of a moving target, so to speak, on what that number is because it's constantly changing from what I can tell because you have new people coming in and people going out. And I do think it's gone up because there's a cop car on 191. <laughs> and you know how normally there's no one in it? Uh-huh. There was someone in it that time. Oh, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just trying to like mix it up and, and confuse us. Um, um, well, that's okay. You know, it'll I, slow down some people. Yeah, no, that's you know, okay. yeah personally, I think um, a great revenue stream would be to park outside of Starbucks. You know how it has the sign that like, do not form a line in the road? Oh, right. Like, yeah, just have like someone, you know, plain clothes, just writing citations, you know, go to Roses on Taco Tuesday, you know. <laughs> Obviously not a serious suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the shortage, I mean, I think that we've heard a lot from especially the mayoral candidates Absolutely. about those shortages. So. Do you think we should be paying our police officers more or giving them some kind of retention bonuses? Uh, I like the idea of retention bonuses. I think the reality is, you know, if you if you look at pay, it's not horrible. We did just give a, an increase into our teachers as well. Those are skilled positions. They deserve to be getting paid well because, you know, anyone off the street can't just walk in and do that job. So they deserve to be paid well for their time. I also think that if we don't address our housing issues – it kind of doesn't matter how much we pay them if they still can't find a place to live. So for me, I think that's a big concern in terms of bringing in teachers, medical staff, first responders. So I don't know how familiar you guys are with the Hillcrest Village apartment complex. Mm -hmm. So that's actually being done in District 4. And I've been working with the residents of that neighborhood. And so what they really want to see happen is for homes to be built there, Mm -hmm. duplexes, townhomes, things like that, smaller homes with smaller price tags, smaller down payments. And that way people can invest in that community as opposed to the proposed apartment complex. Because I feel like when we're talking about our teachers and first responders and medical staff, those are people who are not directly tied to the oil field. If there is a slight downturn and there's some layoffs, their jobs aren't going away. They're going to want to stay here. And so giving them the opportunity to become a homeowner, I think, is a, a huge benefit. And I would love to see that happen because I think if, you, if you've if you invested in the, home, in, in the community and you're living in a home, you're probably going to be more likely to stick around. And so I think that that is a way to also help because, again, I, I think that there's only so much you can do in terms of pay if you can't find them a place to live that they can afford. Mm-hmm. And a lot of mortgages cost about what an apartment costs to rent. And so I think the barrier ends up being a down payment. The people can't – live yeah. living paycheck to paycheck, they can't afford that down payment. And that's why the Midland Community Development Corporation who wants to build this apartment complex, you know, they've built homes before. That's what they've done and that's what they've done really well. They, they've done 25 homes that are bringing in a million and a half dollars in uh, taxable – uh, revenue that's going to be, you know, going into this, the city. Um, if we build apartment complexes there, it's a $40 million facility that will pay $0 in property taxes because it will be maintained by that nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would love to see them do what they, they're doing that's doing, you know, that they're doing really well and uh, continue to serve our community by building homes. So I have a, a rabbit trail question. Okay. Uh, you mentioned teachers. Yes. Um, are you taking a public stance on the school bond? I am. Um, I know it's not a city thing, but we not. still we have still asked some of our candidates and would. Yeah, it, it's definitely not a city thing. Um, my personal feeling is that it, you know if if the voters choose me to represent them in District Four, I will be on the city council. I will not have say over what happens at the school board or the county commissioner's mm-hmm. office or the sheriff's office or the hospital board or any of those kind of things. But I'm still a voice in the community, and I still have a platform, and so I think it is important. And and I don't. You know, I I definitely understand why other candidates are not going there, and I don't blame them at all. And it may be the smarter decision, honestly. But for me, just who I am, I I 
I can't not take a stance on things. And so I actually went to a school board meeting over the summer when they purchased Ranchland Hills and, you know, kind of asked some questions. And I don't feel like I really got answers. I continued to email and still didn't really get answers. And so my feeling is that this is a historic bond. It's a historic amount of money that they are asking the taxpayers for. And I feel like it needs to come with a historic amount of transparency. And I don't feel personally even, and I, I sat down and did a two-hour meeting with an, you know one of the higher-ups in MISD. So even as a city council candidate, I've been researching this. I've been doing the work because I do want to make an informed decision. And so I just still have some concerns. And so personally, I am I am pro-bond. I absolutely believe we need a bond. I don't see how we fix these problems without one. And this is coming from someone who doesn't believe in incurring debt, but it's a necessity. I'm concerned about this specific bond. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your views. Sure. Can I say one more thing about the police stuff? Sure. Is sure. that okay? Yeah. Yeah. And we can... We'll we can edit like go right, back and put right, it in. Right. Uh, yeah, because it kind of took a turn. I think that's how these things work. Up. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, Especially it is. us. We're like, yeah. 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 Shiny thing. Okay. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I think um again we reallocate that type A sales tax. We free up twelve point three million from the city's budget. And that could allow us to hire more uh, city employees. And I think that includes first responders like fire and police. And we can also offer retention bonuses with some of that liquidated, uh, those liquidated assets. And so I think that that's a way, because honestly, I think everything comes down to money. It's how are we getting the money? How are we spending the money? And it's easy to talk about solutions, but I think we have to have an answer on where the money is coming from to make those solutions happen. And um, I know a lot of people have been talking about the 4B and using the 4B to potentially, you know, solve some of these problems. And, you know, it, that would work in terms of fixing, you know, issues, but it would also bring about a whole other set of issues for the people living in our community. Because we do have people who are deciding, okay, can I run my AC on this 110 day or do I, you know, buy groceries for the week? And yeah, a quarter cent sales tax may not sound like a lot to so many of us, but for those people who are, you know, making those really critical decisions of what they can afford and what they can't, a quarter of a cent is going to add up to be a significant amount. And so I feel like anything that we can do to solve some of these problems without having to ask for more money, we we need to explore all of those options. We need to go down every single road and make sure there's not a way to solve these problems without coming back with another tax. So listening to you talk, it sounds like transparency is something that's very important to you. Yes. So how do you specifically plan on involving residents in the decision-making process of of our town if you're elected? Right. So one of the things that, that I'm going to do is on both my Facebook page and my website, I'm going to give as much notice as I am legally allowed to give because <laughs> there are things that happen in executive session that you're not allowed to talk about to the residents, not only in just my district, but in the city. If there's something coming up on the agenda that I feel like they're going to you know, possibly have opinions on, I'm going to make sure they know it's happening. I'm going to offer my services in terms of, okay, if you can't be at the city council meeting, send me an email. Let me know how you feel about this. Then I will be your voice on the council. I will make sure that the other council members are aware of your objection or or whatever it is, even just a comment, even if it's not an objection, just like, hey, you know, this is how I feel like this would affect me or my family or what I think we need to be doing. So I'm going to put that information out there as much as I can. I've already been advocating for residents in District 4 in the city council meetings. I've spoken at six city council meetings since June 11th. So I've been up there in their faces a lot. <laughs> at one point, actually, when the, the mayor called my name to speak, someone said, uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Didn't know who because I was I was getting up and walking, so I didn't happen to see. But uh, they're definitely really familiar with seeing me already. So one of the things that I did was 
we have a, a skate park in in district for it, the William and Sam Memorial Skate Park over in Beale Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director of the Midland Skate Park Association came to me right at the beginning of my campaign, like in, within the first week at one of my town hall meetings and said, hey, we've got issues at the park. So um, that was on a Saturday. The following Friday, I was at the park. I was meeting people. I was looking at the you know issues for myself. That Tuesday, I presented it in front of the city council. I mean, I, I spent, you know, half the evening putting together books. I had photos of everything. I took photos and used my little glue sticks and glued them down to pieces of paper and got some, you know, three Brad folder things at the dollar store and (laughs) put together these notebooks for all seven of the city council members so that they could see exactly what was going on at the park. And this gentleman had been working kind of back and forth with the Parks and Recreation Department for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Um, He'd been talking about the drains for actually a couple years because I went back and found some news articles where he was interviewed uh, locally and and said that the drains were unlevel. And then they had some issues with light bulbs that hadn't been replaced. Well, uh, all of this time with him, you know, going through the Parks and Recreation Department and trying to to do what he believed was through the proper channels, um, we presented in the city council meeting. They're out there that same day. So I've already been working with the district. I've already been advocating for them. I spoke out against the sales tax increase. I've been doing as much as I can already to talk to the people in my district and see how they feel about different issues. And, and I've been working with the Hillcrest Village, you know, Hillcrest Acres subdivision. And um, so. in those conversations, have you heard another issue that we've been asking everybody about is sanitation and recycling. We're located in the same building with Keep Midland Beautiful. And so we're totally green here. What do you think about the state of recycling in Midland? And can you see a day when we have like curbside recycling? Is that something your residents or compost? Yeah, something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there's a lot of progress that can be made there. And again, I I love partnerships with with private groups because I feel like that's having people that are passionate about something is so much better than just having like let's put this new thing into the government. Let's build, you know, put this new committee in the government. If you have people who really want to do something and are passionate about, they're going to do such a better job than, you know, anyone who's just kind of lackluster like, oh yeah, okay, I guess this is part of my job now. This falls under my department now. So I would love to see a lot more community involvement. I I honestly think that a lot of these problems aren't going to be solved without community involvement. And what I think is a really important step in that is feeling represented. So if you have someone representing you on the council that you know, if you send them an email or you call them that you're going to actually hear from them, they're going to talk to you, they're going to listen to your concerns. My my team consists of me, myself, and me, myself. Uh, me, myself, and I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it feels like it some days. Um, no, it's so I, my, my team is my brother, my husband, and me. And so if, if anyone has ever gotten an email response, it's come directly from me. If you get a comment on Facebook, it's coming from me. I'm the one that's been doing all those things because I kind of have to be. I don't have anyone to do it for me. So I've already, you know, tried to make myself really accessible. And I think that having those people involved, if if people feel more heard and they feel like someone's listening to them, I think they'll be more engaged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I can tell that you're passionate about representing your district and advocating for the people who live there. Mm -hmm. Um, How confident are you in your ability to work effectively with other city council members? You know, this is a question that that I get, and I'll just call it what it is. I've been really outspoken. Um, I haven't pulled any punches. I've been really honest about what I feel about things, what I feel like we, you know, can be doing differently. I've also talked about what I feel like we're doing really well. 
you know, whenever we talked about budget stuff, I stood up in the city council meeting and said, you know, when I've looked through the city budget, it's all really lean. You guys are doing a really good job of being a good steward of the taxpayer dollars in at the city. You know, again, where I feel like there's not enough oversight is, is in that Midland Development Corporation that's also getting taxpayer dollars. I, I feel like I can work with with anyone. I I'm not going to have a problem walking in there on day one and getting along with everyone. I'm also not going to, quote unquote, collaborate for the sake of collaboration. I have to do what represents my district. They're going to be my top priority. Like I said, I've never wanted to be in politics. I don't know anyone. You know, a lot of people are like, well, have you talked to so-and-so? I'm like, I I know no one. So I know the residents of my district. And that's who I've been advocating for and fighting for. And that's what I will continue to do. And so I'm going to work towards the good of my district whatever that kind of looks like. And I think a lot of that is going to look like collaboration with the other city council members, with the other taxing entities and all those kind of things. But I also think that there's a lot of, well, let's compromise. Like I'll kind of, you know, you come my way on this way and then I'll come your way on that. And if that's not what's best for my district, then I won't do that. Mm-hmm. Now the quid pro quo. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just not interested in that. I, I'm self-employed. I work as a counselor. I'm either good at my job or I'm not. People either come to see me or they don't. So I don't, I mean, I don't really need any connections to help me out in, in the world because I work for myself and I don't, you know, I don't own a business where it would benefit me to like, oh, I'm going to make this connection with this person and, you know, have them like me. And so we can maybe do business together down the road or things like that. So it's really going to be about my district. And You know, we talk about collaboration. We talk about like that team approach. Well, the largest percentage of my team is is my district. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, you know, the other six people that would be sitting on the council with me. They're important, too, and we're going to work together. But at the end of the day, my my district is what has to be my first priority. If I'm not doing that, I'm not I'm not representing them well and I'm not doing what they asked me to do. So being a resident of District 4, what are some of your favorite places in your district? So I like to eat. It's one of my favorite pastimes. (laughs) Now, technically, this is like just outside of the district because it's literally right across the street from where District 4 ends. But um, I grew grew up going to Bob's Better Burger all the time. My dad actually owned the TV store right next door, uh, Wilshire TV Service, and he retired a couple years ago from that. So in the summers when my brother and I were still too young to stay at home, we'd go up to my dad's shop. And I mean, there would be times, I think they opened it around 1045, 11 o'clock or so, and I would be over there like getting a chocolate shake. Um, and so I, I absolutely love Bob's Better Burger. It's amazing. They're still like really cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go and you can get like a burger and fries and a chocolate shake and it's like, you know, less than $10. So that's that I love that place. It's been there forever. It has. It has. It's an institution. I'm really proud that they allowed me to put a sign up. I've got a big sign up in in their empty field right next to their their store um and that makes me really happy that they would choose to support me. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, I I hadn't ever really been out there much, honestly, at Beale Park. I I went out there for the very first ever Rock the Desert. I think I was like 14 or so. Uh, my brother had – no, I, yeah, I guess I was, I was 15. Uh, my brother had just turned 17 the day before and like um, he was able to drive us and so we went out there. But having gone out there with the skate park, I really love the people out there. We met one family and and they've got two kids, one who's the same age as my, my oldest. And so they actually – gave my son a skateboard. Like, I mean, they had known us for maybe 45 minutes. You know, I'd met him a couple of times and and my kids had been out there and they're like, here, we've got this extra skateboard. You can have it. And they're just amazing people. And, and that's one of the things I love so much about my district is just the people there. 
And like I said, we have a lot of just hardworking families who are trying to, you know, support their family and do the best and, and make a good life for themselves here in Midland and develop a sense of community. And I've seen that a lot too. Um, in Midland, I grew up in, we had like neighborhood block parties and there's still a group of families that have all lived there for like 30 years or so in my parents' neighborhood. And I've seen some of that now. And because honestly, on in my block, there's, there's six houses on my little kind of shorter block. We have uh, double lot sizes. And so not as many houses on the same, you know, plot of land. And Honestly, I I know one of my neighbors because they have kids around my kids' ages and, you know, they hang out. But there's another house that, you know, down the street that oil field uh, workers live in. And there's like three or four of them that live there that keep to themselves. Or the house right next door to me has sold three times in the seven years we've been there. So it, it hasn't really felt like as much of a community. And I see that around District 4 and other places. And excuse me, that that makes me really excited to see. And so yeah, love Bob's Better Burger, love anything related to food pretty much. And then again, Beale Park has become something I'm I'm really excited to see in the district as well. It's a great park. It is. It's beautiful. Wasn't there like a thing with the Costco? Do you want to talk about that? Sure. <laughs> um, so there there's district. I, I never yeah. could understand where it was gonna be. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. So it's going to be north of 191 and to the west of Grasslands is where the Costco location is proposed. It's interesting because there's a big plot of land there that's that's vacant right now. Um, the problem is because it's like across 191 from the airport, there's actually a lot of that land that you're not allowed to build on without um, special permits because it's in a restricted zone. So this is kind of on the edge of that restricted zone. District 4 being where it is. You know, we're seeing growth and development all over Midland, but we have a lot of empty space in District 4. So District 4 is experiencing a lot of that growth itself. So they've, they've got the potential Costco location. They've also got um, a building and now the permits that it's been pulled now, The <coughs> excuse me, from planning and zoning. But there was a three-story, quote-unquote, office building that was going to have a full basketball court and a full gymnasium. And that was going to be built right next door to Scarborough Elementary. And the news crews actually asked all of the people who are running for District 4 to come out there and speak about it. And I happened to go uh, right around the same time school was letting out. And it was it was a nightmare just to kind of get to this empty lot where there's nothing there right now. And it's supposed to have about 70 parking spaces is what the original plan said. So... Just in my opinion, really inappropriate for the neighborhood. I've I've been to 13 city council meetings since June. And one of the things that they talk about when they're doing building permits of any kind is does this fit in with the characteristics of the neighborhood? Like a, a gentleman wanted to build an oversized shop, which happens to be right down the street from where I live. In my neighborhood with shops, it's like, you know, the bigger the better. Everything's bigger in Texas. Like we have huge shops in our neighborhood that you wouldn't be able to get away with in a lot of areas of town. But it fits with our neighborhood. A lot of people have them. It's just kind of what it looks like in that area. And so the city council will ask themselves, does this fit in? And I don't feel like a three-story office building of whatever kind it is, regardless of what's inside of it, fits in with a residential neighborhood right next to a school. I don't feel like a two-story apartment complex being built in the middle of a residential neighborhood fits in with the characteristics. Now, the Costco, I think the main issue is going to be um, traffic studies, seeing what that's going to look like in terms of of traffic, because it's not right. My understanding of where the proposed location is, is it's not right up against housing. It's just in the general area where the way the street, the way it's going to, um, the exits are going to be into streets is going to potentially go through residential. So people might drive through grasslands to get out to the loop to, you know, when ah, leaving Costco mm-hmm. or, or things like that. So I think that's the main concern is just the traffic. You know, they're they're building a hundred apartment, 110, excuse me, apartment complexes over 
off of Andrews Highway and, and Midland Drive by the Taco Villa and the CVS. Mm-hmm. So they're already putting in 110 Class A luxury apartments there. We haven't seen what that's going to do to the traffic. Princeton and Cuthbert are really narrow streets already. There's not a major arterial street in that area. And so we're waiting to see what's going to happen there. And then now there's another proposed 200 units. So again, I think District 4 has seen a ton of growth just like the rest of the city. And we need to grow, but we need to grow in the right way. We need to make sure it fits with community. We don't need to rush through projects just to get stuff on board. I think especially with housing, you know, affordable housing is a huge issue and we want to get houses on the market. We want to bring down that those housing costs, but we have to do it in the right way for not only those future residents, but the ones who already live in those areas. Affordable housing has been a subject we've talked about with a lot of candidates. So what are your thoughts on affordable housing? Um, are there... Anything that you would do different that the city's doing already? Impact fees, all that kind of stuff. Impact fees is a challenging one. I think impact fees on single family housing doesn't make a lot of sense because it's unrealistic to expect that a developer is just going to eat those costs. It's not going to happen. They're going to pass them on to the home buyer. So it is increasing the property values of those houses. Impact fees for multifamily units that are going to be have incoming revenue and, and be a revenue source, I think, looks differently. But I, I know that there's also some groups that are uh, exempt from impact fees that are building further out of town where we do actually have to run roads and utilities, and they're not having to pay impact fees. Some of these larger developers, they have gotten a free pass on those. And so when you have a lot of our more local developers who are filling in those infill lots, which is really important because we've got these empty spaces and we've got developers coming in, they've rezoned, the city manager said um, that they've rezoned 30 infill lots uh, in the last month to single-family housing, which means we have individual developers who are coming in and putting homes on those lots. And so I, I think the idea that, you know, those people who are working pretty much for themselves, you know, there was one gentleman who asked that some fees be waived because he wasn't going to break even because there had been some changes made in the rules and regulations from when he started building to, you know, when he's actually going to finish. Mm-hmm. And so I think hitting those single-family builders with impact fees is going to hurt the residents. If you could change one thing about our zoning code, what would it be? I would um, give more options and, and have it be a more expedited process for smaller lot sizes and smaller front yard setbacks. I think that building, you know, duplexes, townhomes, things like that that are going to be, again, those smaller homes with those smaller price tags and those smaller down payments, it's going to help give more people the opportunity to have home ownership. And so, you know, I understand wanting to have a little bit of space in between neighbors and, and things like that. but you know, they can even kind of do like a, I, I can't remember the exact term, but it's essentially four units as opposed to a duplex. I don't know if it's a quadplex. I don't I don't know that that's the right terminology. Um, I know that they have some of those over at Manor Park where they have, you know, mm-hmm. and so especially for, you know, a, a couple or even a single person that's here working came here, you know, without a family. I think those are great options so that people can, you know, build some equity and, and things like that. So if we make it easier to build on smaller lots and make that expedite that process, I think that would help. I also think we need to hire on more people in the planning and zoning department and the city inspectors. We have six city inspectors for our city. Mm-hmm. We have eight people in planning and zoning. I, I think that those departments could be ex- expanded and that that would help bring houses through the market quicker. It's, sli- it's supply and demand. We can't do rent caps in the state of Texas. It's illegal. So the only solution we have is to increase the supply so that the demand goes down. Mm-hmm. It is expensive to get an apartment. It is. Okay, so if you were to receive a grant of $1 million, I know it's not a lot, mm-hmm. but how would you use it in your district? I I think that um, 
you know, retention bonuses are always a good idea because I think we have a lot of city employees that, you know, we want to make sure they're sticking around because oil field is so lucrative and, and all of that. And, you know, with a million dollars, it's obviously not a continual revenue source. So you can't like say, oh, I want to hire so-and-so. It's like, mm-hmm. no, it's not going to work. What happens when the money runs out? So I think retention bonuses would be a really great idea. I think, you know, unfortunately, putting that money towards a one-time expense like senior citizen, a senior citizen facility or an animal shelter or something, million dollars does not go very far. Nope. And so possibly even using some of that money with the Midland Community Development Corporation to help with uh, down payments on on housing, I think, would be another great option. So it would have to be, you know, smaller scale projects, obviously, and I'd want to try to spread that as far as I could to benefit as many people. And so that's why I like the retention bonuses, helping with down payments for homes, things like that, that would have a direct impact on individuals that then, you know, spills over and benefits our whole community. Very nice. I like it. Cool. Anything else that you would like to share? You know, I just feel like everyone running wants what's best for Midland. I honestly believe that. I think we have different ideas of how we're going to get there. I think that everyone should vote for the person they believe best in li- is in line with their vision for what our city should look like now, what our city should look like going forward. I think it's really important to vote your heart and vote your conscience. I think that I'm the type of candidate who is going to demand transparency, not just say we need transparency, but make sure it's happening. Even if that means ruffling some feathers, I think that you can have collaboration and challenging thoughts and ideas at the same time. I don't think those have to be mutually exclusive. And so, you know, playing nice is, is great. And I, but again, I don't think that that has to mean you can't have a differing opinion. Well, I totally agree with what you were saying um, at the beginning about uh, uncontested races, <laughs> because I'm an old political science major mm-hmm. and I don't like uncontested races at all. I, I think it, 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 that's just rubber stamping and, mm-hmm. I believe in term limits too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think it's it's I think it's fair to say I've had the weirdest ride in the city council race <laughs> because I signed up to run against an incumbent. Mm-hmm. He he decided to leave and run for Congress instead. I was unopposed for one week. And then two other um, people joined in with the race. And I was honestly, I was glad to see them because it wouldn't have served my purpose for me to run unopposed. I wouldn't have wanted that. I want to earn votes. I don't want to just be handed the office. I don't think that that, I don't think that benefits anybody, including me, because I need to be out there working hard for it and meeting my constituents and, you know, making sure that I'm who they want. Awesome. Thank you so much for 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 joining us. I guess y'all need to get out there and vote. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Tall City Elections, a presentation of the League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas.